Some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got. Yeah, a guy. Yeah, freaking guy. Yeah, guy. How many times do I say it? How many different tones do I use? In the intro alone, I think there's 10. Like the, there? pre, the pre-produced intro, and now we just got three more. Yeah, guy. What's up, bro? Yeah, guy. What's up, Scott? <laughs> Was that hard for you to say? I know you don't like saying yeah, guy. Forced it out, dude. Forced it. Um, you know what? I don't really like saying it either, but it's part of our lexicon now. It's part of the brand. It's on brand. Stay on it brand, is on Scott. Brand. Uh, broadcasting live from the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center, the library. Yes, Smithsonian of surfing. Right, we're stoked that Shaq lets us settle into their library, their conference room, and discuss. And um, that's what we're doing. Spit. You're listening to the Spit Podcast. Scott Bass, David Lee Scales, Tuesday, March twenty seventh, twenty eighteen. And good day to you, sir. Uh, this is the most comfortable chair I get to sit in every two weeks. Actually, these it, things it are luxurious. Yeah, they are um, luxurious. So, dude, what's up, Scott? Um, Lots to catch up on. Well, how about some Neat Essentials, love? How about it? NeatEssentials.com. I'm a big fan. Neat Essentials. I've got, oh my God, that um, that puffy jacket I've got is the most comfortable. You were right. Like, you told me it was comfortable, yeah. and I was like, yeah, whatever, okay. You're, you're talking about the hooded one? The hooded yeah. puffy jacket. Yeah. It's like living in a comforter or something it's it so is. ridiculously comfortable just to the touch it's just so soft it really is yeah, yeah it's you want to rub your face on it um that's the everyday jacket that i've been wearing is actually a lighter one than that that's like a middle one they have like a lightweight one that puffer with a hood and then a, a shell for snowboarding yeah or skiing or whatever um so the that one the puffy one i'm afraid in southern california we will only get to wear seven days out of the year you know what i mean like it's normally too warm. i know well it's normally too warm for that I know, thing, it is but warm. it's like i'm gonna wear i want to wear this all the time i want to yeah. sleep in it I wanna, yeah. yeah so anyways neatessentials.com um sponsoring today's show along with spyoptic.com yes spy which, have you been happy lately my mood has been elevated elevated mood thanks to the happy lens by spy look at you the hate to frame do you really not wash your hair? I swear to you, I haven't washed my hair since February. Can 5th, I touch it? Fifteenth, February. Two thousand and fifteen. How many years? <laughs> I just hit three. Okay, I just touched David's hair. First time ever. It's not. It's not greasy at not all. Not at all, dude. It looks like you. It looks like maybe you haven't washed it in a day or something it, like that. You know, like it's literally been over three three years and one month. What does it smell like? I don't want to smell it. I just want to know what it's glorious. Like. Do you do anything to make it smell good? Um, no, I don't put any. I just rinse it and kind of scrub it with my hands in the water, but I don't put anything in it. Mm. No shampoo and also no. Fragrance. Now, do you have a girlfriend? Yeah. What does she say about this? She's pretty mortified when I first re- <laughs> <laughs> when I first presented the idea to her. She was mortified. Yeah. But um, like, what did she say? Like, what did she go? Oh, are you kidding me? Same you thing. Be, did she go? You got to be freaking kidding. Yes. Me. But. The reality is she had heard of this theory prior. Like, I did yeah. not invent this. Yeah, no. There, I think it's like... St- the shampoo strips the oils. 
the conditioner brings back the oil that not doesn't it takes yeah. the place of the oils so why even have either shampoo yeah. or conditioner when your natural scalp oil will do the work for you shampoo hasn't been around that long that's so like the one all of since when like it's like the 50s or something i actually need to look it up because i keep saying the 50s but i don't it's probably more like they must have the shampoo in like england like the aristocrats must have done something to their hair, although they did wear a lot of wigs and That's, stuff. Yeah, eighteen hundreds, seventeen hundreds, sixteen hundreds. The 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 theory is like this human biome theory, which is like your body has an ecosystem with good bacteria and bad bacteria in it. So, yes, you want to get rid of the bad bacteria, but what happens with a lot of shampoo and um, face washes and things that we use is it also strips away the good bacteria. Right and conditioner makes an attempt to replace it but it only makes an attempt to basically it's a facade it'll make your hair feel nice but it's not actually replacing the good bacteria right so just like with a little kid where you want to let them go outside and scrape their knees so they build immune system and all Mm -hmm. that you don't want to protect them from everything otherwise they can't eat peanut butter later in their life you know this is kind of the same theory and uh i'm not recommending anybody else do it I didn't think that I would go three years. I literally, I told myself, I was like, I'll go a week. When I heard this theory presented, it was on a radio show I was listening to. It was a woman who hadn't washed her hair for five years. She was like, look, you got to get past day like three or four because your hair's used to being stripped of all of the oils because of the shampoo that you're using every day. So when you go one day or two days without it, it kicks into hyper overdrive and goes super oily. Did that happen to you? Yes. So by day, it got like sticky and felt dirty. Terrible. Yeah. Like I couldn't even touch it. I was grossed out. But after day three or four, it finds an equilibrium. And she she said, she goes, day four or five, like is no different than year five. Like it doesn't get more oily. It just right. finds this balance. Right. And she's like, my hair has never looked better. She goes, I spent an hour every morning for my entire life managing it getting it all ready for work. She's like, now I don't do anything to it and it looks better than it's ever looked. Huh. And mine, I would argue, looks so good that it's well, got its own no. name. You named it. The right. Chop Hop, right. not knowing no, that it was choppy hoppy because of the lack of shampoo. <laughs> the Chop Hop. So really, the only way to get the Chop Hop is perhaps to take on this Secret to my What did you call it? Biome gnome? Human biome? Biome. Yeah. And I Mm. use a face wash that's the same thing. Like it actually is a cleanser, but it's based on the same philosophy. It's called Mother Dirt. If anybody wants to check it out. Mother Dirt. Mother Dirt. Yeah. Your face looks dirty, so it makes sense. (laughs) Um, Interesting. Here's my situation though. I have a scalp condition, like a seborrhea or a psoriasis, Mm -hmm. you know, where I get like like a dandruff basically. Mm Mm-hmm. Any, any, are should, you, I, should I seek out a doctor on this? <laughs> like, you, no. So I use a shampoo that medicates my scalp and gets rid of, I, without, so, so people with dandruff or psoriasis or seborrhea, they don't, they're not allowed to go this way. This, I think biome. it would actually might solve your problem. Your problem could be created by all of the chemicals you've been rubbing on your head for the last 50 years. Yeah, maybe. You know is. what I mean? I think it's so, genetic though. I think my mom has it. Oh, really? Yeah. And she could. Oh, well, I guess genetics. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying, take a break. Take one. So I did, I was like, I'll take one week off. And at the end of the week, I'll shampoo my hair again if I want to. No big deal. By the end of the week, I just looked. Was your head itchy? No. By the end of the week, sorry, what? No. By the end of the week, you were fine. Yeah, by the end of the week, I looked in the mirror and I was like, my hair looks better than it's ever looked before I feel healthier. Which isn't saying much, but. And and it takes no time to manage. 
Yeah. So um, I would argue you should try the same thing and then report back. Let me ask you this. When you go to get your hair cut, do you go to a barber? Yeah. What do they say? Do you tell them about this every time? Do they ask? Does anyone say anything? I, no. Up until people have been asking me about it on air, I never shared the secret because I was embarrassed. Right. It's too much explaining. It's not that I'm embarrassed. It's just like that five minutes I just spent, I can't spend every it time. It does feel a little Unabomber. Like, <laughs> it, feels, it feels a little backwards. Like, are you building up munitions stock <laughs> right. and stuff like that? Or Point is with the haircutting ladies, I don't tell them a thing. And they always ask like, should we put product in your hair when I'm leaving? And I'm like, no, don't. Because then I would have to wash that out. You know, I'm like, don't touch it. Or, or they even offer to wash it when I sit down. And I'm like, no, don't, don't do anything. However... <laughs> They then compliment it the entire time. The entire time they're cutting my hair, they're like, your hair is so thick and luscious, so much volume. What do you do? And I'm like, "Eh, I don't do much. But I never tell them what the real story is. Here's the line next time they say, hey, should we put product in your hair? You should just say, lady, my hair is product. (laughs) I was proud Um, of (laughs) (laughs) Well, at any rate, Scott, uh, my mood mood has been elevated, which is kind of shocking. Back to (laughs) spyoptic.com. Um, which is kind of shocking because I have not been surfing at all. Like this winter is the worst winter on record. It's the worst winter ever. WWE. It is right. Oh, for sure. Okay. So I would think that I would be down and out. Right. But I'm, I haven't been. So I'm not sure if it's just because of other circumstances in my life or what, but, uh, or if it is the happy lens from spyoptic.com. Let's just use, go with that. Use promo code podcast and they'll throw in a uh, some free swag. Spyoptic.com promo code podcast. Yeah. T-shirt. And you get a free t-shirt, but you, you got to put the t-shirt into your cart. That's so make sure you, and then in the checkout process, it'll come up as a comp. Yep. It zeroes out. So Very good. What about uh, where would you book a surf trip, Scott? World Wave Expeditions. I went on their website. They have a map. It's kind of like any other. If you were going to book a hotel on any other travel site, you type in the region, the dates. They have locations all over the place. Tons right around here in Southern California, even if you're traveling from outside of Southern California. But they've got, um, yeah, locations everywhere. Well, here's the thing about World Wave Expeditions. And by the way, they're giving away not one, but two surf trips worth $25,000. So one winner gets two surf trips, one to Fiji and one to Indonesia. But here's the thing about World Wave Expeditions is that the guy who runs it, Anthony Marcotti, is a very good friend of mine. And this guy is an incredible surfer. And he's been to every single spot. Like this guy's like a world caliber surfer. And he's a world caliber travel expert. So it's kind of like I want to go with a guy who knows what's going on. You know what I mean? Like this guy knows. And also, if you're an expert surfer, this is the guy you want because he's going to be like, dude, you're going to dig rifles, trust me, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, he's on it, and he's been everywhere. And he's got pictures of himself everywhere in the barrel. So and you've been with him. On a few. Yeah. But not not very, you know, a couple. But but he's been all over, and um, that's really why I, I want to put my trust in somebody that gets it. You know, it's kind of like, you know, a shaper that rips. You know, it's like, it makes sense to get a good board from a guy who rips. You know? It adds credibility. It kind of does. Especially if you don't travel that often and you want to get good weight. Like you want to score. Yeah. You can't risk not scoring. This guy knows how to score at every single spot. Yeah. World Wave Expedition. Sign up for the uh, surf trip giveaway. Yeah. Two, tri- two trips in one. Yeah. Tell them Scott sent you. Tell them we sent you. But, right. But. Surfers are the worst. They really are, dude. Surfers are the worst. I love the slogan. 
<laughs> so I just happened to put a picture of my 4-3 wetsuit that I love. with a, It's hooded. And I wore booties that day. It was butt cold. In Southern California, yes. I surfed in Del Mar, California. Dawn Patrol last Friday. The waves were good. I was by myself. It was probably... I don't know. The air was probably 53. The water was 57. For me, for Southern California, that's cold. So I wore a 4.3, a hooded 4.3, and some booties. And I posted an Instagram that said, hey, I love my new 4.3. Dig it. Super stoked. And sure enough, surfers are the worst. Because I get all these comments like, dude, really? A 4.3 in Southern California? You got to be kidding me. Like, all of this douchebaggery. First of all, in what other culture, in what other society do people give a shit how I keep myself warm? Like, do people like chime in in New York and go, God, can you believe that guy's wearing a sweater today? That's lame. Like, nobody gives a shit. It's Gore-Tex. Surfers are the worst. Yeah. Why do so they funny. give a crap about what wetsuit I'm wearing? No, well, Why they do they absolutely have to, like, don't. try to get over on me that they only wear a 3-2? They, so the fuck what? They don't care at all. They just want to Rid poke me. fun. Not, not only poke fun, but also say that they're tougher than you for wearing a thinner wetsuit. Like, hey, man, I'm not as... Tough guy, yeah. huh? Yeah, I'm thicker skinned than you are, buddy. I mean, why do you wear sunglasses? Why are you wearing dress shoes? Do I ask you about your tidy whities No, I don't give a shit. Um, that's a great looks. Dress shoes, sunglasses, and tidy whities Surfers like, are the worst. <laughs> straight out of... <laughs> um, that's funny. What were you riding that day, Scott? First of all, you we have had terrible waves, so you said the waves are actually good last Friday. Yes. How is it that we have a terrible winter all winter, and then the one day the waves get good, it's still uncrowded? Because it was cold. Yeah. And because, and you know, the water was a little dirty. You know, there had been some rain. It was one of those days after a rainfall. Yeah. It was last Friday and there was windswell. There was a lot of windswell in the water, northwest windswell, which there's been some windswell lately. But it's been really cold. Like, the for, again, call me a wimp. I don't care. But 57 degree water temperature in San Diego is abnormal. It's, yeah. You know, rarely gets below 60. Yeah. But the waves were fun, and I was cracking it. I was the only guy out at the Del Mar River mouth, and um, and there was no one in sight. Like there was no one with you know miles of me. Yeah, and I was riding my Pat Ross, and I have a six six step up that he made me. It's the Impala model. Mm. Impala, Impala, Impala. Six six. It's basically a late seventies era. California wing pintail outline, but with uber modern bottom, a four fin and kind of low, well, those boards had low rocker, pretty low rocker. It's just kind of a go-to board for me when, when it's cold and you're putting on a lot of rubber and stuff. I'm not necessarily ripping and shredding. I'm more about making it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Until at least I get warmed up, you know? Yeah. So anyway, it's a great board. And I got a really fun little, I had a little, KS Wave Ranch moment. No like, way. Where the thing just set up. I saw it setting up on the sandbar. The whole thing was just so shouldered and tapering and easy. And the thing just went, bloop, and I went under it and, bloop, and shot out the end there. And Really? It was very much reminded me of the tubes that we got at the KS Wave Ranch, where you were just looking out of it, just going, this thing's definitely staying open the whole way. you know. So what's better? 
the ocean. <laughs> Not knowing that that was going to pop up adds 20 times the amount of excitement to it, you know? Yeah, and it was a, one of those fun ones that sort of capped, so I rolled into it, and I kind of got to set it up, you yeah. know, because you know, it take, takes me five seconds to get my act together, and I kind of pulled up my pants and straightened out my scene, and there it was, Yeah, and I shot through this little barrel. I It might have been that same day, actually, I surfed, and uh, I got one good wave. It was my first wave. It wasn't, didn't barrel or anything like that, but like I got paddled straight out. One wave came right to me immediately, spun, went, wasn't expecting it at all, surfed it to the beach, and felt like it washed away all the winter, like all the terrible feelings of the winter. It took one wave. I kicked out, and I audibly said, like, oh. I don't think I said that was fun, but in my head I was thinking that was fun, but I audibly like released a noise because it was that fun. You know, I kicked, I was just like, man, surfing is so fun and I haven't done it. What? You suspired. Is that what that? Yeah. Suspire. (gasps) Yeah. Yeah. And it just felt, oh, this is why we have a podcast about surfing and why we talk about (laughs) surfing. I forgot this feeling for months, you know, just like get up, not only get a wave, but then like get in a groove do a turn, feel good about it, do another one. And like multiples, and it was like, kind of shake out all that energy out of your legs and system, you know? Yeah. So, uh, but that was the only day since then. (laughs) You know, it's like, I've served knee high waves. Is it? It's pretty fun right now. Murphy's Law. Yeah. Every time we have a meeting, it seems like the waves are good. It's like when you walk the dog. Every time you walk the dog, the waves look good. Uh, you want to see what I've been writing, those guys? What is this board? David has a board in his hands. He's pulled it out. It looks like a fishy fish. It's a fish with a really cool sort of, I don't know, folklorio inlay. And is that Donald Brink? Donnie Brink. Donald Brink. Symmetrical. Our good friend Donald Brink with a symmetrical. That thing looks sweet. Symmetrical fish, not asymmetrical. I like it. Let me, fully let me hold symmetrical. it. Um, I have to just take this. Plywood, keel, fins. I, I don't know. Um, What's this inlay? It looks like my grandmother's couch. It is. It's a fabric inlay. <laughs> Just one circle fabric inlay. Um, I like it. I've only ridden it a couple days, and it was knee-high when I wrote it, but kind of the right board to ride on those days. I haven't really got a chance to open it up yet, but what do you say, 5-5? Five, five? It's right about there. I'm 5-6-0. Oh. Yeah, it's no, it's smart. It feels like it's five two. Five two. This is about ten inches, right? From here At the here. most, yeah. Five four. Okay, five four. We're agreeing on. Uh, it's fun though. I stringerless. I honestly don't have a fish in my quiver, and I've been kind of r- wanting to ride one for a while. And I was at his shop a while back, and uh, he had that and just loaned it to me. So that fun. looks cool. Yeah, it's fun. Donnie Brink. Yeah, he. Got a booth for the boardroom show. He's going to be across the aisle from Surf Splendor Podcast. Okay, good. Booth. And um, I think Need Essentials is next to you too. That's so. right. Don Donnie said that he had some travel obligations. He wasn't sure if it was going to conflict with the boardroom show, huh. but he wanted to come. So I'm glad to hear that he got it well, sorted out. Yeah. We're hoping to get it sorted out. Awesome, dude. Yeah. The boardroom show is coming up. We're excited about it. I want to show you I'm the excited brackets. About it. The icons of foam honoring Mark Andrini. So the boardroom came out with the bracket. This man-on-man, round-robin tournament of champions. This event has, let's see, one, two, one, two, 
three, four, five, six guys that have won this event. A total of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. Nine titles. There's nine titles. And then there's uh, two wild cards, Bill Barnfield and Travis Reynolds. Mm. So the bracket is out. Icons of Foam Tournament of Champions. People often ask me, how come you have the same guys in the shape off over and over? which isn't true, by the way. But I don't pick the guys for the shape-off. The people that are honored pick the guys for the shape-off. So that's the answer. You know what I would say to them? What? This isn't your official statement. This is mine. Right. Uh, Why do you see the same guys in the finals at the WSL events all the time? Because those are the guys. Those are the dudes. Those are the dudes. And by the way, you're right. It's not true. It's not always Kelly and Mick in the final. There's actually a bunch of other dudes that make the final. But you do tend to see the same guys in the final series anyways. rex marichal i present to you oh no one even knows who he is no you he's presented him to me last year actually right that's my, my point is is that he's the defending champion and he's flying out from australia yes he is amazing yeah it's an international surfboard show the boardroom it is people come from all over boardroomshow.com got people coming from germany switzerland australia new zealand costa rica brazil Sweet, dude. Yeah. Looking forward to it. May 5th and 6th? May 5th and 6th. The bracket is set. So real quick, I'll just go through this. So Ricky Carroll shapes against Travis Reynolds, 10 a.m. on Saturday. Roger Hines shapes against Bill Barnfield, 12 p.m. on Saturday. Wayne Rich surfs against Matt Calvani from Bing at 2 p.m. Surfs against? Or excuse me, shapes against. Thank you. <laughs> 2 p.m. on Saturday. And Stu Kenson shapes against Rex Marischal, the defending champion, at 4 p.m. on Saturday. And the semifinals and finals take place on Sunday. So, uh, yeah, the boardroom. By the way, presented by U.S. Blanks. We're stoked to have U.S. Blanks as the presenting sponsor of the entire event this year. Sweet. Yeah. Right on, Scott. Well, uh, I have a number of things to discuss with you. Me too. WSL stuff, surf media stuff, Ooh. surfboard manufacturing stuff. All right. Where do you want to start? You got something? What was the second one? The state of surf media. Okay, let's go there. What youth? Travis Foray steps down from what youth? Um, you're familiar with the publication and Travis's yeah, for sure. Legacy in the business? Yeah, absolutely. Up to surfing magazine? Yeah. Um, Newport-based what youth? Yeah, Costa Mesa. Online? No. I mean, they have a, certainly a web presence. Their but their web it's a, presence is bigger than their print. Is I, it? I don't know. I, I would know. I would think almost everybody's web presence exactly. is probably getting more be. clicks than yeah. prints that they're selling and printing. So what did Travis do? Well, what, Travis is this took, a surprise to you? No. Travis? Well, no. Here's the deal. Print is contracting. Yes. Period. Not just in the surf world. Just right. period. Yeah. Stab's no longer printing a magazine. Yeah. Um, so he was, Travis was one of the founders of What Youth, and he just took to Instagram saying that he's stepping down. And then Morgan Williamson from Stab talked to him, and the quote that he got from Travis said, according to, sor- or I'm sorry, this is actually just from Morgan, according to sources within the organization, within What Youth, they're in debt to contributors. One particular photographer is owed roughly $23,000. They're searching for a new round of investors. This time it's more of a LinkedIn than a GoFundMe, um, and also looking for 
a new editor in chief because that's what Travis was doing. Who who runs what youth? Isn't it um, is it Zelda? No, it Steve was Zeldin? Travis. Um, so how does he? He's stepping down and he's the owner. He's co-founder, yeah, and editor in chief. So what this says to me is they're bankrupt. Well, they're also it's not a sustainable model, right? right. Like they're not printing enough or generating enough ad dollars in the magazine right. to justify kind of the expenses. And he's probably looking at it as, well, I'm the editor in chief. I need to find work elsewhere that can pay my day to day bills right, and expenses right. and family, blah, blah, right. blah. But I'll still be involved. He said, he's going to still be involved in the magazine, just won't be running day to day operations. Hmm. So it sounds like as this thing contracts, we need to find ways to expand the business, which might be online or whatever else. Yeah. But I need income, obviously. So right. I'm going to go work on other projects. Um, any and any word on where he's going to be working? Or no. Just a freelance? No, or? not necessarily. And this is really just reflective of what's happening across the industry at large. And so I just thought it was interesting um, for you and I to discuss and look at in terms of what happens from this point on in terms of writers? Like where do writers find a home? Do you even go to the internet for long form reading? You know what I mean? Where do like this photographer that apparently allegedly they owe a lot of money to. Who is it? They don't say one particular photographer is owed roughly 23 K was the quote. So it's like, if you as a surf photographer traditionally made a living off of selling to print and print is contracting, then and shrinking, where do you find a living nowadays? Because it's not on Instagram. I don't Instagram. think you do. I don't. That's not a field to go into. So surf for, media is not a field to go into editorially. So I, for I just, you and I, as consumers of surf media, what's going to happen? Nothing. We're we not get gonna, all of our surf media for free. For free on Instagram. But that photographer who's traveling around the world to shoot those photos will not be able to afford to do it. And there's no magazines that are going to be. Well, sending it's kind of just like. It's like pro surfers. It's like, guess what? There's going to be some kid that's 20 years old that's going to have some ideal that he's going to be the next Jeff Devine or Travis Farrar. Did I say his last name? I don't know. I don't know how to say it. Farrar? Farrar? Travis. The guy who decided not to surf at the wave pool. Right. (laughs) But, um, you know, there's always going to be a young guy filling those shoes. I just don't think we're going to be at a loss for, for surf media, mostly because, I mean... Who puts out the surf media that we consume? Hurley, Jordy, like all the big names, Julian, they've got enough money where they're putting out their own edits and you're psyched. You know, Craig Anderson, Dane Reynolds, where'd he go? I haven't seen Dane Reynolds. And, although yeah. he did, they did just do like chapter one or something. What is, no. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. It was just regurgitated <laughs> footage from previous years. No, you're right though. Um, so based on what you're saying, then it's going to be the haves and the have nots. It'll be like, there will be, the millionaires out there producing content. And then there will be like the poorest guy who's doing it on a shoestring, making ends meet. But the middle class is all gone, right? Ooh, that's not good. It sounds right. E- sounds eerily similar. Middle class gone. Right. Yeah. I mean, kind of, you know, um, first of all, I want to wish Travis the best. I hope he, he's a talented guy. I've always enjoyed his stuff. So, Hopefully he'll get on his feet and get. A, I'm sure he will. Get a good There's gear. no question he'll figure it out. But, but it is an interesting, you know. We we talk about surf media a lot about where is it going, you know. And then you brought up long form. When the last what you know what I read long form books, right? And maybe the New York Times in, on Sundays, a little bit. 
but I don't read too much long form anymore. It's kind of sad. Well, books qualify. I mean, well, yeah, no, yeah. I sit down and read a book. So I read, um, but ma- I mean, magazines like which is where surf media would go. Magazines. Uh, when was the last time you picked up a surf mag? I'm, I was just going to tell you. I spent the weekend out in the desert. My dad retired out in Palm Springs area, so I was out there for the weekend, and I brought this month's Surfer's Journal with me, and I read it essentially cover to cover. I read every article in it. What were some of the articles? One was on Richie Collins. One was on that might have been good. Who wrote that? Um, I'll think of it in a second. It's a guy it you, Jake Howard. No, it wasn't Jake. Um, it's a guy you and I know. I just can't think of right, right. right off the top of my head. But um, it wasn't that great. Like, no offense to the Surfer's Journal, but I hear everybody referring to it as literature. Like, oh, the Surfer Journal, and it. I always get it, and I always like it. I like certain writers more than others, I guess, is what it is. But I read it from beginning to end, and I left myself... Like, that that Richie Collins piece was two or three... It was two pages, I think. It wasn't long in and depth. substantial. It wasn't in depth. And then the article on the guy who lives in Chile, um, Surfer X, I think they were calling him, was like an anom- anonymous dude from Orange County who relocated there 20 years ago, kind of telling his story of exploring the coastline there. It was like, it was good, but it wasn't what I would call literature, you know? Like, I, um, I don't know if my bar or standard has been raised over the years of reading more and more things, you know? Like I subscribe, I get the New Yorker and I'll read that. I'll cherry pick the articles in there. It's too much to ever like make it through, but I will read that and it'll be 15 page articles, like super in-depth journalism on something political that just happened last week. And you're thinking, how do they write 15 pages in one week and get to the bottom of who hacked into whose account and all this? Like it's very, very thorough. And uh, so I, and then I'm looking at, well, this publication, surf publication is produced every other month. They have the time to actually do that level of journalism, you know, and in-depth kind of criticism. Interesting. Inside those editorial meetings, like when you're planning out the magazine, you have the opportunity to do one really long piece and maybe one other photo thing or something, you know, or you're, you're sitting in there and you're saying, hey, you guys, you know what? Readers, they just want smaller bits of information. Let's do a lot of little small pieces. You know, like that conversation must take place, you know, and and really there is no answer. How do you, do, you know, who knows? You know, like what do our readers want? Do they want one New Yorker style, long in-depth piece with maybe one or two other things? Or do they want six short little different things? Right. You know, because they're online and they're on Instagram and they like short little bits of information, little tidbits, little snacks, editorial snacks, or... So it's like, how do you determine? Because I would argue the Surface Journal demographic is probably a 35-year-old male, like you and I, more or less, right? And um, I, you're just saying that you want the long form. I agree. I want the long form. I want the long form. I want an in-depth thing, you know? Yeah. I think it's a mistake for them to... Try to become a snack? Yes. I agree. Like, look, you guys, what you do really... You're the only person who has the ability to do this long form thing. So do it and do it well and stick with it. And I, and I honestly, I think that is their strategy for the most part. Do you think it's different than it was volume one, number one, or the whole volume one? Like when they first started the thing, I think is the editorial space different as far as snack size? Like, is it, was it longer form before? Is I think that the was. vibe you're getting? And now it's a little bit smaller form. I think it's parsed down a bit. A bit. 
Yeah. Hmm. But then that's not to say that every issue is reflective of the one that I just described. Right. Um, because I've had the other, exp- this is the first time I've had this experience actually the very first time. And then I had to assess, well, have I not read the last few issues or have I just connected more with certain writers than others, which I think is the case. Um, or have I just elevated or has my kind of sensibility changed and my, you know, expectation changed based on things that I'm reading outside of surfing? Was I not reading those outside of surfing things five years ago? I'm not sure what it is yet. The Richie Collins piece, was it, what What was the summary? Well, give me a quick summary. Was it like, here's what Richie's doing now? Yeah. It was an interview with Richie. It was an interview, a Q&A. For the most part, yeah. Q&A with a little bit of background in between the A's, uh-huh. you know? Um, and but was it like the, about it, his daughter? Yeah, it was a little bit about how he raises his kids, his um, his kind of current worldview, which has softened a little bit. Really? Well, he had an experience in he Australia. all right for a while. I know. I know, dude. Even the, even the title of the article was Cocksure. That was the title. Well, that's kind so, of why we love Richie Collins. Like, I mean, it's why you love and hate him. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We, yes. So we're engaged in the character. I've never loved. I'll be no, straight out. I would honest. agree. I haven't either. But it's we're all, engaged in the character is a better way to. Yeah. Perhaps. So his when I say uh, his worldview has changed, it wasn't. I'm not convinced that it had changed. He had one inc- incident that he refers to that kind of made him change his view. And that was, he was in Australia having um, a barbecue with a friend that he's known for a really long time and really enjoyed the evening and the meal and the festivities. And he kind of realized that he was in a headspace for the last four decades of his life or whatever, where it was eat or be eaten. You know, like I'm going to, I'm not going to take time to come chill with my mates. I'm going to st- throat stomp him tomorrow morning at the beach and doing that that throat stomp mentality prevented him from really enjoying the experience of being in australia with your kids you know and uh and so it it was glad i was glad to see him have that epiphany but it i didn't leave the article feeling as if he's now going to live a different life because of it and he's going to go out into the world and like and yeah you know i just felt like oh yeah well, it's about time. Remains to be seen. Yeah, it's, it's about, about time. time you figured and it out. <laughs> let me know a year from now how you feel, you know? Huh. Um, well, the surf media landscape, it's, it's, it barely exists, it seems to me. like I, I'm surprised that more print isn't falling by the wayside. How many, there's the Surfer's Journal. There's Surfer Magazine, right? Anything else? Or is that it, print-wise? It's a great question. I mean, does free surf come out? Well, there's a lot of regional things. Like free surf, I guess, would be a regional thing, right? Yeah. Oh, and then in Australia, they're pretty, they're kind of up and running. Yeah. Tracks, surfing Surfing world, world. surfing, Australia, surfing life. Those three probably all have, because I saw Peter Townen put a thing on Facebook. He's like, only in Australia you can arrive at the airport and in the newsstand, all three issues are right there. Some things haven't changed, mate. You know, whatever. Which was kind of an interesting take. Yeah. Speaking of surf media, I saw something on Facebook which fascinated me. I've got to give a shout out. So my friend Zach Weisberg from The Inertia posted this thing where he got his college band back together and they played a gig. And he had videos of it. And they're good. And Zach's the front man. He sings and plays lead guitar or plays rhythm guitar or whatever. 
It was really good, and Zach's a natural. So I want to give a shout-out to Zach Weisberg, my old intern at Surfer Magazine, by the right. way, who was they were they did punk covers they sounded tight you, he was having a great time and you can tell he's a natural born front man for a band Who so if knew? you can i didn't i knew he played guitar but if you can maybe you can find it on facebook if you're listening i'll make a note the inertia's zach weisberg it's probably a personal account that you have to get access to but good job zach he was uh inspiring me well he's uh Sadly, his thunder's been stolen by Chris Cote and his musical exploits. Cote is always performing, right? He's got the band back together. He just—I saw an article. I think it was on Stab interviewing him about releasing a new album. Yeah, but I don't think his Zach's thunder was stolen. That you make it sound as if there's only one slice of pizza. There is. No, there's a there's many, many pizzas in there's the surf people that media. Deliver pizzas in the surf media landscape. We can only have one. <laughs> you got to stake your claim. You mean one musician? Only one musician slash media person. I was on Instagram yesterday just randomly, and what comes up live but Rob Machado live, and he's at Tate McDowell's house, and he's just sitting there playing guitar, and they're really? taping a segment for a movie or something, and they just happened to do a Facebook Live or an Instagram Live while they were doing it. And so isn't he media now too? Like, I mean, everybody's media, really. And so if there's only one musician in the media space... Well, it's got to be Jack Johnson. <laughs> one person who's a surf media character, right? That is a secondarily a musician, right? So Chris Cote, I just pulled up that article, by the way. Um, his well, first solo, musical, yeah. His first solo record just released called "Friends Coming Home," in which Chris does all the songwriting and instrumentation. Cool. You know, he, occasionally he'll do that too. He'll go Instagram live. He's got this cool little studio at his house. He's got like a man cave that's just got all the foot pedals and all the electronics and, and like he just and he kind of goes on and, you know, he'll go off on a riff and just start doing something, you know, playing the guitar or something. And I I'm sort of fascinated by um, the one thing that I love about Chris Cote is that he loves Steely Dan. It's his favorite band it, there. And, and that just like endears me to Chris Cote for life. Yeah. Because that just seems opposite of Chris. Because I I kind of know Chris from a long time, you yeah. Know? And I just see him as like the guy that likes Devo, you know. That's yeah, yeah. That, and that's on me. That's not on Chris. That's just what I see, you know, like young punk kid from high school. But I'm sure he does like Devo, and he does. God bless him for it. But then he likes Steely Dan, and he also loves Phil Collins and Genesis, right? Right? Because he looks like Phil Collins. That's why <laughs> he's all about Phil Collins, which I'm not so sure of because I'm not a big fan of Phil Collins. But I'm stoked that he loves. Steely Dan. That just um, what's great about Chris is he likes everything. He likes music. He, yes. You know what I mean. But you're right about all those things. Anyone that doesn't like Steely Dan, I'm suspect of. Really? Yes. Uh, Do you not like Steely Dan? You I like gave Steely me Dan. Look. No, I like them. But here's the thing: I don't know like their deep cuts. I don't own any Steely Dan albums. I just know the hits that everybody else knows. Right. But. Um, Speaking of Phil Collins, do you remember, maybe we talked about this on air a couple years ago, I want to say two years ago, he announced, Phil Collins announced that he was going to go on tour and the internet created a change.org petition to prevent <laughs> Phil Collins from going on tour. I signed that petition. <laughs> they got I, like 25,000 signatures. I may have started it. Really? <laughs> it was like for no good reason, but just as the internet, just as a prank, you know, an internet prank. <laughs> and literally you'd, you would read... Um, the reasons why people signed, they would write these really passionate <laughs> um, <laughs> statements and they were like, 
when I was 13, I played in the air tonight for my girlfriend. She dumped me the following week, and now I can never listen to that song again. F you, Phil Collins, you know? <laughs> Do not let this man tour. He's damaging America's youth or something like that. And uh, it was it was hilarious. I'll actually find that and post it, too. Speaking of music, the Kaboo lineup at the Del Mar Fairgrounds came out. Okay. I don't know if you saw this. The Foo Fighters are headlining, which no, would be insane. How yeah, fun would that be? Amazing. They're kind of like Petty. Like, I've never purchased a Petty or Foo Fighters album, but I want to see them in concert. Yeah. Of course, Petty was there last year. But the one I want to see, and maybe this is a mistake, but the one I want to see is Billy Idol. I want to go see Billy Idol and relive 1983. He's playing? Yeah. Awesome. In the Midnight Hour, Rebel Yell, Blue Highway, all of that cool stuff. Now, he might not even play any of it. Who knows? Yeah. But there's some other good bands. Check out the Kaboo.com. Google it and see what's up with the Kaboo lineup. Um, we got an email about our – yes, last week or two weeks ago when we were last on, we discussed our disgust for Michael February and one other new guy on tour. I forget who it was. But um, we were basically saying, look, the QS system's not working if we're getting guys like Michael February on tour. And Ke- we were pretty, Keanu Singh. Keanu Singh. Was we're, the other one, right. right? And we were pretty harsh, but we were just being honest. And that's what people don't pay us to do. Um, but we got a good email from uh, MB. And I think you saw the email. And he says, look, agreeing to trash and overhaul the WQS system because two rookies have subpar outings in one event seems a bit premature. That same merit-based system produced the other rookies that you and David always rave about. And that's a good take. I think that's a good take. Wrong take. Wrong take. Okay. No, what? not to interrupt your thing, but no, no. my point is MB, we're not basing it off these two performances. Scott and I are such... Um, aficionados proficient yeah aficionados and proficient analysts of surfing we can see that wave one wave surfed by febs and be like well dude even on his best day he's not going to be on par with let's say the top level guys that we actually want to see at the end of this event so that's what well i wrote back to mb and i said look based on merit although not a merit-based quote-unquote system so based on merit what you and i have seen what you're talking about and not necessarily a merit-based system like the QS, I'd suggest to you that Jack Robinson should be on the CT in place of Michael February. Right. And I don't think maybe one out of 100 would disagree with us. But, however, MB, it is cherry-picking, and there are plenty of issues that can arise with cherry-picking. He also goes on to say, while we will agree that the WQS should be held in world-class conditions, we understand the economic realities around that. There's simply not a large enough budget for the QS guys. Of course, that's true. Um, And I wrote back, perhaps a well-thought-out option or solution to the current system needs to be excavated before David and I continue to bash the QS. Nope, not going to happen. Okay. We're going to do it haphazardly every single time. (laughs) Okay. Um, I agree. I mean, look, we don't have a better solution. We've presented some ideas that would lead to a better solution over the years, but we don't have it fully flushed out, but we can still highlight the shortcomings along the way. Uh, by the way, MB, is that Michael Barron, the shaper? I don't know. Yeah. Um, he finishes up with this. Cherry picking someone's favorite hot surfer of the month as a guest wild card could lead to corruption of the process. 
However, I think the idea of adding variety of formats to the qualifying process might be something to look at. Yeah. If only two pedestrian-like surfers on tour, then the system is working. If there are only two Michael Februarys, then you could say the system is working. What you need are consistently better waves. Yeah. And I wrote back, yes, MB, but also less guys on tour. Agreed. Or seed the top 12 into round three. Yeah. How about that for an answer? Yeah. But I do think that we could all, we could put a list of five guys down and pick two of them and everyone would be pretty happy. Like if you put, you chose Dane, I chose Jack Robinson, you chose- Mason. Mason Hogue, right? Or Mikey Wright. I chose Mike. So we've got four. Out of those four, we could pick two each time and be pretty psyched. Right. And not get- Febs. (laughs) Is that his nickname? Febs? Is that what you're calling? Freestyle is his nickname. Freestyle. Mikey Freestyle February. Well, I look, more power to him. And Nothing would no, be more poetic than for have him win bells right. and put it in our faces. And I would love that. I would, I would love, love to too. come on here and go, you know what? I was wrong. That guy actually deserves to be on tour, even though he surfed like a 12-year-old B. Durbage at Snapper Rocks. Did you like that B. Durbage photo I found? I did. <laughs> that yeah. listener sent that to me. That was really good. Um, so the, I would hate to think that Michael February is listening to this. I hope getting he's his not. Feelings hurt. I, I hope he's not too, because it's nothing against Febs. No, it is. And honestly, it's about the system. It's about the system. Exactly. And his, it's actually his style of surfing is beautiful. And I would love to see it in a free surf format. It's just when you try to apply that free style, quote his nickname, uh, into the snapper event where he's competing against Michael Rodriguez, it doesn't hold up. But it's radical he's, to watch on its own. He's not polished. It's radical to watch on its own. He's not polished. He's got a little flap in his arms. He's got a little hitch in his giddy up, which there are probably too many hitches and too many giddy ups on the WCT, frankly. Well, I, need, I think there should be 12 guys on tour. Let's do a no giddy up tour next year with only 12 guys. I mean, I'd like to say 20, but it's hard to do a breakdown with 20 guys like through a I bracket. Know. You know, yeah. So you got to have a round number like 24. So 24... Let's just do 24 guys on tour. That's it. No more. 24 guys. Yeah. And how you qualify? I don't know. That's up to the friggin' pros. <laughs> <laughs> it's up to the mathematicians. Speaking of qualifying, last episode, we did an interview with Greg Cruz, the executive director of USA Surfing. And about three days later, they came out with the official qualification system, which Greg and I talked about. And um, basically, it goes like this. If you're on the World Championship Tour in 2019, the first 10 eligible men and first eight eligible women, two from each nation state. So two from Australia and two from the USA are defi- and two from Brazil are definitely coming off of the WCT. Um, that leaves, let's say, 12, maybe... 14 spots for other nation states to fill in. This is an incredible opportunity for surfers on the CT to now claim a new nation state the way Kanoa Igarashi did, although he has a legitimate claim to Japan as his parents are Japanese and he has a Japanese uh, entree. Passport. Passport. Thank you. The same way that that female skier did at the Olympics this year in the half pipe. Did you see that story? No. I'll look her up. Lindsay, Lindsay, um, something. I'll she find it. She adopted a new nation state based on her grandfather's. Yes. She went and skied for some country that doesn't have a lot of skiers. And she got in. 
got in and then didn't do a single jump. She went in the half pipe and just, <laughs> just went carved up it and down. Good up for her. And down. It was hilarious. I'll show you the video. It's absolutely ridiculous. The very last turn, she did a 180 and came down backwards. She's like snowboarding for Jamaica or something? No, she's she's from the US, but it was right, like but some, what nation state did she? I'll, I'll find out. Uh but the funniest thing about it was, I guess in the qualifying in the qualifying events, there's like spots for 30 people and not always 30 people show up and you also get deducted if you fall. So she developed a strategy, which was I'm going to show up to every event and I'm simply not going to fall. I'm just going to go up the wall and come down the wall. And based on basically beating the system, beating the criteria, she qualified for the Olympics. Well, that's what could take place here. Now, that's the first hierarchy of getting into the Olympics. The second hierarchy is now the ISA. So teams, nation states like Costa Rica are definitely going to have two guys probably that right. qualify. Uh, but it, what's interesting is that the host nation gets one spot. So Japan gets one woman and one man guaranteed. Okay. So do you then take Kanoa and is obviously the one guy for Japan – Okay, so that answers my question, I guess. So, but what I was getting at was there's going to, are there going to be some B level pros that are legit QS surfers that are going to go, you know what? I need to, sur- I'm, I'm really good on the ISA. Like I'm, I'm the number three Costa Rican guy, or I'm the number, th- I'm the number one USA guy, and I'm not going to get in for the USA because that's going to be a CT spot. I'm going to go surf for Ireland or whatever, you know, like that's going to happen. And who are those people going to be? What is that one guy? There is going to be a story like Lindsay and snowboarding. It's uh, by the way, I did look her up. Elizabeth Sweeney is her name. Elizabeth. There's going to be an Elizabeth. Yeah. Guaranteed. There's going to be somebody from Australia that goes, I'm going to surf for New Zealand, you know, and, and maybe get in. Uh, Where would you go surf? Papua New Guinea. Yeah. I'm, I'm team Papua New Guinea PNG. Yeah. There might be some decent groms coming out of that region now. Because no, I'm of saying all the a surf- guy that lives in Orange County that grew up and went to Costa Mesa High School is right. going to be like, my great-grandfather visited there one time. I'm going to claim Papua New Guinea as I'm- my nation state. I'm the number one ISA guy, and I'm going to surf in the Olympics yeah. for Papua New Guinea. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Interesting. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInJobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, 
totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Um, regarding the WSL, has Kelly Slater officially unofficially retired? Unofficially? I mean, he withdrew from obviously Snapper, but now he withdrew from Bells. He doesn't like Margaret's, right? And he doesn't like Rio. So essentially, he could be out of the so first four events. What you're saying season. is that, it, according to you, he's unofficially retired, is what you're telling me. Unofficially. Right? This is the official announcement of the unofficial Kelly Slater retirement right now. This is what you're telling me? That you're retiring him for us? I think that's what's happening. I think, I, it, it's, I think all but, be, it's all but happened. I, it's an interesting... It's a very... But doesn't he want like a a tour like Mick Fanning gets and like doesn't, or he doesn't even want that. Like, doesn't he want like, I think like he a, did, but his injury sat him down. I think like that swan song was kind of last year and maybe see what happens with the title race. So but he's he got, not going to do that. He got sat down at J Bay. He's not going to get chaired up the beach. Somewhere. Looking to make the recovery. Didn't quite make it last. Now he's trying to get in this year. Didn't quite make it back this year. And now if he's sitting out for the first two events and then you look at those next two events and you go, those aren't great events for him. And he doesn't, he didn't even go to Rio last year and he hasn't in the past either. I don't, I definitely don't think he's going to make a return for Rio. Well then does he show up in the South Pacific? He could, I guess he could show up in the South Pacific and right out the end of the year. Yeah. Do you know, that's weird. He gets two throwaways. If he's throwing away bells and snapper, he's got to do the rest of the tour to try to win the world title. But he traditionally doesn't do well at Margaret's. He he's des- admitted that's he not deserves his favorite the, way. He deserves and, is, and has earned the right to just pick and choose the last year of his thing. And so, yeah, he'll just do the South Pacific and Chopu, France and all that. Pipe. All those places that love him. And he'll get his... But will he officially say as he, at the, as he goes into... What's the event after Rio? J-Bay? No, it's probably Chopu. I'll look it up. The event after Rio, does he officially say, that's it, obviously I'm not going to get a world title. I'm going to finish out the year. This is my retirement year. Let the let the commencement of the glorification of Kelly Slater's last year on tour begin. Ready, start. Yeah. After Rio is Karamas. Oh, for sure he's going there. You think? He's going to win it. No. <laughs> what? Think Kelly's going to win Karamas? Yes, I'm claiming right now Kelly's going to come back, first event on tour, win Karamas, and then it's just going to be like, can he win the world title if he wins well, with four throwaways? Could, okay, you're right. He has to come back because of the wave pool event. How could he not surf surf? Range? Oh, he's definitely surfing. He back. has to surf surf. Yeah. Range. Okay, so he comes back for Karamas, and Jay Bay, that's the thing. He's got to face the spot that sat him down last year. Oh, there's some good drama there. We can. All right. WSL I like it. Should Continuance that. part three. Yeah. Remember that series, Continuance, Continuance. last year? Yeah, it was you so good. It. Yeah. All right. Let's continue the Continuance. All right. Well, speaking of bells, it starts today. Or the waiting period starts today. I don't know if they're going to run today. Yeah, not positive they're going to start today, but there's good swell on the way for um, Friday and Saturday down there, which would be what? Saturday and Sunday here? Or no? No. Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Friday. Thursday and Friday here. But you never know. They could wake up because they got good ways for the for the trials. Yeah. So they could wake up and it could be good down there. Who knows? There's really solid swell on the way. So they're going to get good waves. If it's solid swell, do they run at Bells or weak, Winky? I don't know. I think it depends on the direction of the swell more okay. than anything. Um, but I'd like to hear about your team. You have a fantasy team for Bells? Of course I do. 
I'm going to throw out the first event of the year. I think everyone should just throw it out because <laughs> how it convenient. Just, I mean, God, everybody's team got wiped out. Nah, John not Don? everybody's. Oh. Um, I didn't even. <laughs> You're check. in like twentieth place. I didn't I check your score. I I've been I'm in 167th place. Are you really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Look uh, at you. You're just loving it. I'm in 50. I've never seen a broader smile on David's face than right now. I didn't even I see do wallows in my misery <laughs> as a. Dude, the season's young. I kicked your ass last year. No, you didn't. The end of the year, I won. Whatever. We covered that in the show. It's funny how you forget. So I'm in 50th place, not 20th. But out of 600 people in our clubhouse, we're talking about fantasysurfer.com. We have a clubhouse called Spit, and there are 593 members in it. We used to take- I'm in the top third. Good job, Scott. We used to take wagers. This year, a number of people sent me payments before the first event, and I shut them down. I was like- it's too much work. It was taking me 90 minutes yeah. per event to organize because the site, the user experience on the site is so tough. Yeah. We'd have 20 or 30 guys who sent wagers or people that sent wagers and I can't just search. There's no search function. So I'd have to scroll through 600 names oh my to God. find the person that's and then change. find their score. So Somebody that's listening that wants the wagering thing to take place should probably come up with a solution for us. And we'll determine if it's worthy or not. Somebody stepped up and left a comment in the message board offering to do it, but I'm apprehensive to say, hey, all of our listeners, send money to this guy we've never met before and he'll manage it for you. Yes. Not that, you know, I don't know the guy. It could be super straight, but I'm not going to take that. You know what? There's a a website I use called, um, I think it's called Manage My Pool or something like that that I use for football. They might be able to just... You might be able to use their back end. I don't know. I don't know. But well, anyway, it's maybe, still fun maybe to play. there's one event where we can muster the energy. You, yeah. meaning us, meaning Pipe. you, muster the event to allow for wagering. Pipe. But it doesn't, not wagering in the first event didn't make it less fun. I was still down to play. Well, yeah. And I wager in another league. Oh. Yeah. See where your priorities are. Are <laughs> you cheating on us? I've been doing this league for a while. So you've been cheating for a while is what you're saying. <laughs> um, so Just it like is. Trump. So, um, spit, if you guys want to join fantasysurfer.com, let's hear your team, Scott. For oh, Bells. Excuse for bells. me. My team for Bells. John John Florence is going to have to get back on the wagon. Owen Wright. Of course, Mick Fanning. You know he's going to go far just because of the, all the hoopla around his last surf at Bells. Kanoa Igarashi, who's a competitive machine and doesn't seem phased by anything. I've jumped on the Griffin Cola Pinto bandwagon reluctantly. I hope I didn't jinx it. By getting late to the party. William Cardoso, who's also actually kind of a competitive machine. He's like 45 years old. He's been on the QS for 20 years or something like that. Like this guy's been, had, he's been wearing the jersey enough that he just knows what it takes to get through heats. He's a power surfer, which suits bells. Maybe, but well, I just, I just, he's blue collar to me. He's like, dude, I'm here. I'm not giving up. This is my life. Like he, he's kind of like Adriano, but like 20 pounds more. He um, <laughs> qualified for the tour a few years ago yeah. and surfed Bells and got a 10. Yes. He, I remember he beat Kelly and I yes. want to say Parco with that 10. Yes. So he, he shreds out there. Yeah. Michael Rodriguez. Of course. Zeke Lau. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, Mick Fanning's the one that I want to discuss with you. Yeah. I did not put Mick on my team. Because everyone is? No, because when has a surfer ever won their final event on tour? Um, well, I'm not, I didn't put him on my team to win. 
I just see him going far. Look, I not, don't. I see him going to the quarterfinals at, for sure to the quarters. Then he's worth a spot on the team. That's kind of the way I see it. I don't see him going that far. Mm-hmm. I see way too much prep. If this was any other year, I put Mick on the team because what is he a three-time Bells champ or something? Yeah. And he's like the best suited surfer for that wave on tour. Yeah. But I think there's too much pressure in your final event of the season. I don't think his head's in the game to win it. Period. Mm. You know, I think he's checked out mentally. I think he and might he's be right there. He's doing the Bells thing as an obligation to his yeah. sponsor who runs the event, and because he's got so much legacy there. But I do not see him He's having mailing it in. I don't see him having the chutzpah to take down guys like Michael Rodriguez, Frederico, Marias even is like super well suited for that wave. Griffin, any of these guys. So my money is on or my team is Adriano, Felipe, Wade Carmichael, Griffin, Kanoa, Frederico, Kaloe, Michael. Michael February is like a thirteen year old Frederico Marias. <laughs> yeah. The kind of the same guy, only ten years. Kind of difference. So, well, that's an interesting team you've got there. We'll see what happens. Mine's all regular foots. That's another notable. Have you noticed that Mick Fanning's Instagram's blown up since he sort of announced retirement? Like you no. can tell, like because it, it, this kind of speaks to what you're talking about. Like he's checked out. Like he's like all into Instagram now, and like mm. it's all social media. And come with me and do this. And here I am here. And woo, check out the. Guys of the opening ceremony, the Aborigine. Like, it's just, it's way more lit up than it used to be. Interesting. Good. It's more fun for me. Well, I've got the round one matchups if there's anything you want to talk about there. No, but I'm excited for the event to start, dude. Yes. What's the difference, though, for you with picking that team? Whether they run at Bells or Winky, do you change the team? No, and frankly, I'm horrible at this. Even the clubhouse that I'm in, the commissioner emailed me. He's like, dude, you should just have your wife pick your team. You're so bad at this. So I, Brutal t- I try to kind of put some sort of discretionary eyeball on it, but I'm definitely not thinking about Winky or okay. Bells. I, if, I think if they have it at Winky, it's one round, and then there's a lot of pressure to have the event at Bells Beach okay. at the main bowl. Regardless of which of the is history. the better. Venue. Yeah, I think so. Okay. But I don't know. I could be wrong. All righty. But interesting, you have no goofy foots, huh? Nope. You know, who I, I, I'm gonna. I hope I'm wrong, but I think Ace Bucken seems like Ace Bucken could have one of those like Duma, Damian Hardman type of runs where he's just like, does first of all, does Ace Bucken even do airs? Never done could, an air. In could his we life. have an air, a non-air guy win the world title? Like I'm thinking that. Ace Bucking could have a one of those like if he's going to win the world title, it might be this year. Like there, there just seems like Ace Bucking for whatever reason. I have made nothing. the final at Snapper. Exactly. Super, super. Uh, he's got competitively. He's got a savvy. coach. His best friend's his coach now. Micro. Yes. Micro I didn't know Micro Clint. was coaching him. Yeah. Wow. He's on the. He's on the. It's on the micro. The micro bandwagon. Deal. Yeah. So, absolutely, his backhand is on fire. So he could do. Very well at Bells. I don't think he would have a strong performance at Margaret. I can't remember him ever having a strong performance out there. He could, J-Bay, he could do well. He's won Chopu. He's experienced everywhere. I don't France, think- he's made the final at. Portugal, he could do well. Pipe, he could win. He's a competitive machine. Yeah. I could see Ace Bucken winning the world title, sadly. Not if- sadly. I mean, I think he would deserve it. It's kind of like Damian Hardman. It's like, 
how can you deny the guy? He's a competitive machine. Like he just knows yeah. how to do it. I'd be really interested to see that happen. I think it would be bad for the WSL. I do. I do too. Yeah. Who do you think the WSL, if they could pick somebody to win the world title this year, like if they could in fact script it, yeah. what would be the best marketing move? If you were the head of the WSL, who do you want to win? Gabriel. To build up the rivalry between him and John John, because then it would be two That's world titles each. That's a pretty good call. Because if John John gets a third this year, he runs away with it. I think Jordy and Julian could, if they won it, you could definitely uh, leverage that to build the business and to like expand eyeballs and all that sort of thing, expand numbers and then you know more eyeballs. But the the rivalry is where we should really be. I think you're right. I think you're right. In a weird way, we want that? Gabe Medina to win the world title. Yeah. You get that a lot? No, I was going to say, can we get can we get that in writing? You're right. <laughs> or I'll just use that audio clip in the future. David, you are right. So anyway, Ace Buck and... Hmm. Yeah, I like it. I like it though. You know, like... I mean, if you're ha- going to have a commissioner, why not have a commissioner that it was a one-time world champion? Yeah, right. I like it. By the way, Damien Hardman was a commissioner once, I believe. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong there. Um, probably wrong. I know that he did, he did sort of manage the rip curl events for a while. Anyway. Spe- speaking of Jordy, um, and one thing I wanted to talk to you about, Scott, because of your surfboard business, surfboard, uh, experience being in the surfboard manufacturing industry, uh, Jordy Smith walked away from a $65,000 deal with Channel Islands. He's obviously been writing Channel Islands all these years. So now he's elected to not ride those boards, and he's just riding a variety of boards. He's riding some Hayden shapes. In the snapper event, he rode JSs. He's been riding Gallagher's, you know, his coach, Chris Gallagher shapes. And um, thought that was kind of interesting. You look at, he did that stab in the dark feature last year, and he won, or the board that won was the Pizel. Um. So what are your thoughts on that? I mean, the reported contract was 65K with Channel Islands. That's not necessarily confirmed. But what are your thoughts on walking away from the big paycheck, which is a small paycheck for him, to well, try out I mean, a bunch look, of different boards? I, I guess I would want to know what his motivation is. Winning a world title, I would think. Well, I don't think it's the surfboard. You don't? No. Now, Jordy's issue is between his ears and the biggest issue that he has is that he got too much too soon he was the kid that was going to be a world champion when he was 18 or 19 years old he got the huge contract you get the beautiful girl as much money as he'll ever need probably in his life and why win a world title when you got all that yeah so his moment has passed and now he wants He's like, you know what? I realized my moment's shit. I got to get this thing now. And um, I think it's a little too little, a little too late. Not that he isn't an incredible surfer. I'm not saying he's not. What I'm saying is that you can't just change a surfboard. You've got to change the board that's between your ears. I guess. Wow. That's the poetic. The ultimate. Yeah, I know. That was a little clunky. That was a little clunky there, but. So I'm shocked to hear you say that the surfboard doesn't matter. How could the surfboard not matter? No, for Jordy Smith. Well, first of all, those Channel Islands boards are incredible. They're great surfboards. Right. 
There's you can win a world. I I've seen him get tens on those boards, and it took him to a number two last year. <clears throat> yes, it's not the surfboard. Now, so you know that's my answer to you is that Channel Island surfboards are incredible. Yeah, I, I mean, if somebody said, "Look, you you only get one board to ride for the next thirty years on tour," I'm gonna that'd be a safe I'm gonna bet. put my I'm gonna go with <clears throat> that stable. I guess. Another thing that I'm thinking about is if you made it to second place last year and you're really close to winning that world title, is now a good time to add a bunch of variables into the equation? Or do you just further refine what you did last year? Because now it's not like, okay, I'm switching shapers and I'm going to work to refine my boards with JS or with Galley now. It's I'm going to open the door to all surfboards. And it seems like almost too much. When did he do this? Before Snapper? Yeah. What did he do in Snapper? He rode JS. What 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 was his performance? Mm, what did he get? I'll look it up. It's it wasn't um it wasn't into the final series, I don't think. Yeah, I don't remember seeing him. Yeah, I want to say I'll look Round up. three. So anyway, point is he didn't do all that great in Snapper because he's not even popping out in our minds. I don't even think we talked about him when we did a recap on the I mean, Snapper I, event. I mean, I want to say he made, you know, the round four or five or something right so bottom line is he was riding new equipment and the new equipment didn't help him get to where he wanted to go right my feeling is first of all i don't know shit about jordy smith and what he's doing with his life and how he's focusing on getting a world title but i think this if he's not meditating he needs to meditate Hmm. he needs to i don't know like i said i don't know him i can't i can't sit here and but looks like, my feeling is is that there there's headspace issues. Okay. Looks like he lost in round three to Michael Rodriguez. Actually, now I remember that. Um, I I think that free surfing wise, it's cool to get a bunch of different boards. I agree with you though. Yeah, Throwing yeah. freaky variables out there, it's too many. Like I was thinking, even with the stab in the dark feature, I think I mentioned this to Ashton even. Um, it's too many boards. You know, they have 12 boards or something in that stab in the dark thing. And it's too many boards, number one, for the surfer to get a feel for each of them. Exactly. If you're on a trip, you can't ride each of those boards in different conditions. And what ends up happening is he'll ride one like on, a wind, on a windy day on a left, ride a different one on a barreling day on a right. Well, that's not a fair way to judge those two boards, right. you know? So it's not fair for the surfer. It's not fair for the shaper because their board isn't really getting a full run through. And then as the viewer, it's too much. I watch a 30 minute video of him surfing three waves on each board. And I'm like, I'm, I've lost track of what's what. Right. So for the viewing experience, it's also not good. So I would say for Stab in the Dark, give him six boards, give him four boards. And for Jordy, you can apply what you learned there to training for the world ti- for yeah the world title and the world that's tour. actually a good angle on stab in the dark what you just said yeah. you get four boards yeah you're going to determine which board that you like the most and that's the board you're going to that's the shaper that you're going to attach yourself to through the remainder of the ct season for the entirety of the ct season and oh by the way you're going to get a stipend from whoever sure you know because you know we, what you want to do is be able to go hey um you know johnny cabianca you, yeah. you liked his board the most. Well, he can't pay you a hundred grand. So there's got to be a stipend from some sponsor that's going to step up so that you can get as many Cabiancas as you need and win the world title. Jordy Smith, does he do better than second place on his, that he did 
with the Channel Islands boards. Right. I'm asking you now, is he going to be better no. than second place this no. year? Is he going to be in the top 10? Yes. Top five? Yes. Four? I'm going to say he's going to finish fourth. Fourth place. Two Calling spots right less. Now. He officially got the scales curse right now. <laughs> he <laughs> he's might gonna win. <laughs> no, he's going to finish 32nd. Oh, my God. Um, so it's interesting. And I again, I just think that the the most successful relationships we've ever seen, right? Kelly Slater and Al Merrick. Yes. Where they develop, they refine. It's all in the refinement. Right. I totally agree with they that. They refine it for decades. John, 25 years, 11 world titles. John John and Pizel. They refine it over the course of How old's John John? John John's been riding Pizel since day one. Like he's, right. if he's 19, he's been doing it for 19 years. John John's 22 or something? 22. Yeah, and he's been doing it since he was five. Yeah, so... so this stuff takes i don't think that's a mis- that's um those things are outliers i think those are actually indicators that that's what it takes it all takes place in the refinement you know like, i agree with that so jumping on to a brand new thing and look a good a good surfer can ride anything good but the difference between what second place Jordy's and first dad? he's riding his dad's boards now oh well too. that's the thing he should do yeah he should just ride his dad's boards only yeah just hook up with your dad because the thing about that relationship with Kelly and Al is that there was a lot more going on there than board refinement. There was mentoring, coaching exactly. stuff, all sorts of you know moral and life issues discussed. And that's the kind of thing that Jordy should do. And I'm sure Chris Gallagher helps him with that too. And maybe he was, wasn't getting that from Channel Islands. I don't know. But well, I don't think it's a good idea to be jumping ship if you're trying to win a world title. I think it's also, there's an element of you want distance from your dad. Like, Kaloe stopped being coached by Dino. Yeah, but Dino wasn't making point. his boards. I agree with that. And so, I th- But there might be like, hey, I love my dad and he's great for insight, but I don't want to have a working relationship with him. Sure. So, But he did say um, in this piece, this piece I think was on Stab as well, um, that he discounted it. Not discounted, but he just kind of, forgot about his dad's boards for the last decade or so or just kind of put him out of mind where it's like no i'm just going to focus on channel islands and what i'm doing over here and then they had him ride one and stab in the dark and unfortunately it broke but he liked the feel of it before it broke and so now he's opened his mind to riding his dad's boards and he has ordered a few from his dad recently and his dad said he was really nervous about shaping them for jordy but um that they're going really well they have promise does his dad charge him for boards? How does that work? I think he gives him a bro deal. <laughs> a brew deal, actually. Mm. Well, we'll see what happens. Again, we hope we're proven wrong. I love Jordy. He's one of my favorite surfers. What do you got? <laughs> work halted for 10 days when a loose bolt was found in the San Onofre, San Onofre radioactive waste container. No way. Our continuing saga of nuclear waste being buried in the ground at San Onofre continues, David. You've touched on this story uh, a bit in the past. And work crews were transferring spent fuel rods at the San Onofre nuclear plant from cooling pools into dry storage, discovered a loose bolt inside one of the canisters prompting us Southern California Edison to halt the relocation effort. I love the way they, they they spin it as a relocation effort. 
To the horror of some nearby residents, the job then resumed 10 days later. The loose piece of bolt, about four inches by half an inch, was discovered in one of the 43 freshly manufactured canisters that featured a new design aimed at improving storage capability. That's code for cheaper. The bolt was part of a redesigned system called a shim that aims to improve the balance and storage of the spent fuel assemblies. The work ceased March 5th. The discovery occurred and the work resumed. So it showed up in a new container, though. It wasn't like soaking in radiation, right? No, yeah. It's (laughs) a new container. Fun. I'm officially not surfing anywhere near that area anymore. I've heard it's really super good place to do foiling. You know, because it, it's like that place this where they do sup, you know, right yeah. in front of. I forget yeah, yeah, what it's yeah. called. What's the name of that place? Dog Patch. Yes. Well, past Dog Patch. There's right. Um, anyway, I've heard it's tight for foiling. Hmm. Tight. <laughs> I, foiling, I heard, is so freaking hard. Yeah. Foil, foil. Speaking of foiling. The California Gold Vintage Surf Auction. California Gold Surf Auction 2018. Mm. We've got no foils in this because uh, those wouldn't be rare and unique. Although I guess they're unique. But there will be foils at the boardroom show. We've got guys that have booths that are bringing their foils. So I'm pretty psyched about that. I would love to learn more and even look into getting one. Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of pricey. Yeah, I know. Um, But the California Gold Surf Auction bidding... Uh, begins on the auction lots April 21st. So auction lots are open for bidding beginning April 21st. The lots begin closing on May 6th at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, David. And we've got some beautiful boards in the auction, including newly discovered original Jerry Lopez lightning bolt from 1975 we found in this guy's garage it's been in a board bag for 20 years 25 years wow lightly ridden um, a real Jerry Lopez lightning bolt that's probably a nine out of ten and it's a really cool board we're pretty excited about that Um, some other lightning bolts um, I mean I've got a list of insane boards here. Uh, speaking of Richie Collins as we did earlier in the show, there's a Richie Collins Pro-Am Trifin from the 80s, a Lance Collins Twin Fin, a couple of Bings, a bunch of beautiful Buzzy Trent Hawaiian guns, two two Buzzy Trent Hawaiian guns shaped by Dick Brewer, a Hobie shaped by Dick Brewer. A um, couple Pat Kern guns, a bunch of cool Yaters. We've got uh, one of those um, abalone inlay Yater guns that um, Kevin Ansel helped with all sorts of just insane stuff so make sure you check out uh, California Gold Surf Auction and again auction lots begin bidding on auction lots April 21st crazy crazy lineup dude yes what's your must see moment say that with so much sincerity no I'm absolute it's like mind-boggling if you had one of those I'd be like that's worth everybody's attention. And There's also a John John Florence list. board in there. Really? Yeah, we've got a John John board from Pizel signed by John John. I'd be curious to see how that si- or what that sells for as compared to some of the more historical boards. Yeah. I would I would hope it doesn't sell for as much is what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. Like that's ephemera. Like that is John John goes through twenty of those a year, I would think. You know? Yeah. It's like buying Shaq's shoe. I see Shaq's shoe every time I go somewhere in like Vegas in a hotel. You know, it's just like there's 
I think Shaq is just signing shoes now and selling them to people, you know, like I don't think that they were used in an important game or anything like that. And John Jones might've been surfed in an event, but oh, there's so many, wax on it. there's so many of those, you know, like the, I want to see the historical ones sell for like tens of thousands of dollars. Yes. And we do, we have a Pat Curran balsa gun. That's going to go North of that, that Yader Avalone board is those sell for a lot of money and there's only six of them. I mean, and I've got an original Pat Curran foam board from the Newport Beach shop in the late 50s. There's so many cool boards. Rick Iron Sr. Lightning Bolt. One of Bobby Owens's Lightning Bolt. Um, a bunch of town and countries, Minamis. Here's, what, here's another thought. If I actually ended up with that Pat Curran, I would not write it. It would be a wall hanger. Whereas if I ended up with the John John board... I'd kind of want to take that thing out. I bought a Dane Reynolds board once at, at one of those SEMA auctions. Did you? Yeah, and, I, and my son wrote it, and I tried to write it. It was too small. It was a 5.9, um, I don't know, one of those Channel Islands. A, a dumpster diver. Dumpster diver. Yeah, it was a yeah. dumpster diver. And I, I was like, you know, trying to channel my WCT, and I just think it sank, you yeah. know. But my son, was he dug it. Really? Know? Yeah. I remember that fat square tail I ordered a board because of that, because of Dane Shredding. I ordered one just like it, not from Channel Islands. And uh, yeah, I never really got it. Speaking of that, I was on the Channel Islands website the other day and I was looking at the, um, what's that model they have called the Chubby or the... Uh, the Fred's No, no, the, the Bunny, the Bunny, bunny Chow. Chow. The Bunny That's Chow. Jordy's board. Right, well, that, I was looking at Kanoa's Bunny Chow. And it's got a, like you mentioned, it's got a nice wide round tail. Hmm. It's a cool looking board. Hmm. I was blown away how wide the tail was. Hmm. Yeah. Well, Jordy, that design was designed by Jordy, or that's his model. And um, We're gonna have to he's a hefty that. dude, so it makes yeah. sense that they would have more foam. Yeah. Lead foot. So he'll surf for South Africa. Who will the other surfer be from South Africa? Well, there's a lot of great Travis surfers. Travis Logie. Freestyle February. Oh, is he from South Africa? Yeah. Oh, well then, yeah, it would be Jordy and him. Those are the only two South Africans on tour, right? Yeah. So it would be those two guys. Well, um, if they're on tour Bianca, in 2019. Yeah, Bianca Butendog on the female side, South African. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's it, I think. Must-see moment? Must-see moment. What do you got? There's drone footage right now on my Instagram that I reposted from somebody else's Instagram. It's the way Instagram works. And um, it's insane. It's insane drone footage. I think it's Padang. It's somewhere on the on the peninsula there on Bali. It's either Bingen or Padang. And it's just insane. The footage is so cool because the drone, it's just really good drone driving or flying, okay. if that is such a thing. Because the drone takes off, starts way out the back, comes in, captures the guy paddling into the wave. The guy paddles into the wave and he takes off down the line pulls into the tube and the drone speeds up and oh, gets wow. the shot of the guy coming out of the tube. So the drone driving is just really flying. Piloting. Me, piloting. Yes, there you go. It's Amazon-like. It's as if they could have dropped a package in front of your doorstep. <laughs> right. Right. Rad. Um, I have not seen that. I'll check it out for sure. On Boardroom Show at, Instagram. Yeah. At Boardroom Show. Uh, my must-see moment is actually the cover shot on this month's Surfer's Journal. Have you seen this month? I don't think I have. Toots. You know who Toots is? Toots and the Maytals? Yeah, it is you. Oh, yeah. Is it really? No. Uh, Toots is a surfer in Waikiki. Mm -hmm. It's a shot of him at Queens. Mm -hmm. Arthur 
An Chings, I think is his name. He's uh, I think he's Filipino. He's an old beach boy guy? No, he's a younger guy, but oh. shredded, kind of looks like an MMA fighter in terms of his build, and he's dark skinned, like mm-hmm. real tan. Yeah. Looks Polynesian, but I think he's Filipino. Yeah. Uh, and he always wears white trunks. So he's got like this real dark skin, tan skin, but with white trunks provides a contrast. Aesthetically beautiful contrast. And he longboards traditionally and very beautifully. And I've been watching his videos for the last couple of years, especially on Instagram. He looks so rad, so effortless in the way that he walks, nose rides. He'll like sit on the nose of the board for a minute, get back up. He's a walk dancer. Back. He's a performer. Beautiful. Performance art. Beautifully poetic. And he gets into these real old school poses. Oh. And so the cover shot is a water shot down in the trough of the wave, looking up at him racing by on a right. And he's in kind of a squat stance with his arms projected forward, just it's like a yoga pose. It's like a Mickey Munoz, kind almost of, like a um, Quasimodo. Almost. It's kind of Quasimodo, except both arms are forward and his head is looking forward, not mm. tucked down. Right. But you're right. The squat is the Quasimodo squat. And it just is beautiful. It could have been taken in the 60s, you right. know, or it could have been taken yesterday. But because of the sharpness of the imagery, it's taken yesterday. Yeah. And uh, I love his surfing, and I thought it was a really rad move for Surfer's Journal to use that as a cover shot. It's, I saw it. He also posted it on his Instagram, and when I saw it on Instagram, it didn't really strike me. I was like, unfortunately, the format on Instagram doesn't do this photo justice, as is probably the case always, you know? Yeah. But on the cover shot, it is beautiful. And they use pink as the contrast on the cover for like the binding side of the book. Uh, which I thought also looked red. So Toots, cover shot. There's a book called um, Brave Companions okay. by David McCullough. David McCullough, of course, famous uh, historian, author. He wrote 1776 and a bunch of other great biographies. And um, I think I've told you about this book, but it's a really fascinating book because what it is is it's a compilation of all of his magazine articles that he wrote when he was a young writer and a young journalist prior to getting these big gigs as an author for you know larger works. And basically, each chapter is a different article from, say, like The Atlantic or from The New Yorker or from Harper's. Long form, very in-depth piece. And there's a piece on um, Humboldt. There's a piece on Lady Rothschild. There's a piece on just a bunch of different people. So the book gives you, it's basically a bunch of really fascinating long-form magazine articles about different people throughout history. Hmm. And of course, David McCullough, incredible storyteller. So it's a wonderful book. Interesting. Highly recommend it. Brave Companions. And I learned more about Humboldt than... I know about your chop hop. It's incredible how much I know. Are you talking about Humboldt County? What Humboldt are you talking about? Yeah, this about? is the, they named Humboldt County, Humboldt Current. This guy was an incredible explorer. Yes, Humboldt. I okay. want to say Alexander Humboldt. Uh, I should know his well, name. You're such a huge fan. I would think you would know I'm, his name. I'm a fan of this book. I, you got to check it out. All right. I like it. I put it in my notes, so I'll put it on spitpodcast.com. Um, I have a kook and a duke, Scott. I bet you do. My kook is... The pro surfing personality who leaked a sex tape this week. Shut the front door. There's a sex tape out there? <laughs> there is a sex tape Purposefully out there. leaked? We don't know. Where did he leak it? Um, Insta? No, it's 
uh, somehow everybody's texting it to one another, apparently. This sounds like a story for Chaz. I wish. I text or I emailed him last night. I'm like, dude, who is it? Because I don't know who it is yet. And <laughs> you don't know who it is? What? No. And have you seen it? No. It was reported on Stab. Uh-huh. Um, a and sex tape from a pro surfer. Pro? Well. On the CT? Or we don't know. B-level. Or we don't know if it's even if it's a male or a female, and we don't know if it's just a pro surfing personality or somebody who's actually competing. Right. Um, you want me to just read you the quote yes. from their website? Yes. Here's the thing: they keep updating this article. I bet it, it was it's the most clicked on article ever. Well, I think they're editing it. You oh, know what as I mean? They go. Uh, by by updating, I mean like deleting things that they wrote yesterday. Uh, uh, anyway. There's a sex tape or two float quote. This is from Jacob M or Jake Embry on stab. There's a sex tape or two floating around the world's, the surf world's mobile phones at the moment, ranging from self-pleasuring home videos to accidental exhausted appendage live streams. So there's two different things. One of them is an actual masturbating sex tape. The other one was somebody meant to DM a photo to somebody else, but accidentally put it out on the live stream to their 175,000 followers. Is that how many they had? The yeah. Oh my Which God. Which is an indicator. Right. So that is, just, that's our only clue. Yeah. That's our only clue. And somebody in the comment section said, by the way, Jack Robinson has 175,000, <laughs> but who knows? <laughs> oh so my God. So you're in, saying it could be Jack Robinson could be. based on number of followers. And then the masturbating sex tape, somebody in the comment section said it's the oldest coffee sister. You know the coffee sisters? No. There's three or four of them. <laughs> They're like the Kardashians of the surf world. Oh, you're They're kidding. just posting tons of uh, bikini shots and stuff. Uh, They're, and they're amazing. Are they surfers? Yeah. They surf really well. Where are they from? Somewhere in Australia. Uh, I don't so, know where. Okay. So. They surf really, really well. Super hot surfers. Smoking that, and hot. One of them. And smoking hot, beautiful and looking. Ways. Right. And yeah, phenomenal. Coffee sisters. Where the are they sisters. from in Australia? I'm not sure. Um, anyway... Stab. So somebody thinks it's one of them. Stabbed us. The article. The commenters. Commenters. Oh, the yeah. commenters probably know. Of course. What do they got to lose? Yeah. Uh, he says it's the oldest one. One of the Lemmy in the comment section says. Uh, anyway. So who's your kook here? My kook is whoever leaked the sex tape, and I want to have a conversation with you about sex tapes. Which is, um, is it plausible that the coffee? Let's say it is the coffee older sister. I think Ellie Jean is her name. Is it plausible that she would leak this a la Paris Hilton, a la Kim Kardashian to elevate her profile? Well, of course. Of course it's plausible. It's sad if that's the case. Is it? Oh, for sure. Hmm. Yeah. Tell me. Educate <laughs> me mor- morally. What? Why is it sad? Well, well, I think she's probably got more talents than you know her sexuality to... Uh, it's sad that if it, well, first, first of all, we don't even know if it's her. So let's just, but hypothetically, whoever it is, it's sad that anyone's leaking a sex tape out to get notoriety hmm. because it's shallow and um, it seems that there's, it's probably based in some self-esteem issues and probably there's some fear there that, that they're not getting as noticed as somebody that they, you know, they're not getting enough. Yeah. And that's when you boil down humanity, right? The sins of humanity are based in I'm not getting enough or I I want what that person has. Yeah. Um I think if, I don't know, man. I'm not a look, big fan of sex tapes in general. Yeah, just the whole concept like the 
you know, it's just, there's, I don't know, there's much larger issues going on in the world than, than leaking a sex tape. Like, I mean, really that's where your energy is going, you know, like, well, it's all about a career, right? And it's like, look, we've, we've built however many Instagram followers they have and social media influence based on posting a bunch of bikini photos. And what's the next the ones, yeah, I mean, the ones with less a porn star. I mean, right. might as well, just, well, the next, and then I would ask you, are you really building a career or are you ask building a foundation for sadness? And but look at the Kardashians as the example. If that's what you're following, there's very much a career to be had by doing. This there's method. money to be made for sure. It's a career, maybe. Yeah. I'm not arguing, a, 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 you know, one way or the other whether it's a career or not. I just. Personally, I think it's sad for society. Yeah. It's a bad indicator of where we're going. Yeah, you know, life is like a river, right? And if you have if you have a strong river bank on each side of the river that are sort of your morals and your values, and your morals and your values are strong, and you have this strong river bank, and your principles are flowing down this river your value system, you're going to live a life that's positive and that's spiritually fit. And if you're, the banks of your river start to erode, you get this like languid lake where you just float in this lake. And yeah, it might seem like it's serene, but it's, it's this, it's just this lake of subjectivism (laughs) and there's no meaning and no, power and there's no humanism in in the life hmm so you're arguing the river is better than the lake absolutely hmm. you want to have a river with strong river banks so that your spirit can flow with meaning and with reason interesting that was that was out there. i guess i guess um you're projecting a morality onto it though Absolutely. to take a stance that look no one has to believe what i'm saying no of i'm course not, not i'm not preaching but it's interesting I'm, I'm not selling it i'm just telling it uh i am baffled that like with the kardashians right or with kim kardashian releasing a sex tape the story there is that her mom her momager was also involved in the negotiation and release of that tape i'm baffled that anybody would consider that as a way to advance their career you lost me with this Maybe will we, benefit me exactly you know what, like in my mind that is only going to lead to ruin and shame and all this sort of thing yeah it's crazy to me that we reached a place 10 years ago where this can actually advance your career and you can leverage this to then get a a sponsor or an endorsement deal or a speaking engagement or DJing at a club or whatever they're doing to make their money, you know, a television show on mainstream TV because of this sex tape. That is really, really crazy to me. Uh, I'm not, not even like morally opposed to it. Really. I'm just like, I'm shocked that anybody would have the foresight to know that you can massage the public's response to this thing for your benefit. Yeah. It's, you know, I don't, it's I interesting. sort of don't. Yeah, it is. You know, part of me is like, I don't even want to give them my energy. You know, like I, I'm not going to give the Kardashians my energy. I just, it's, it's a false culture. It's not. You know who we should be talking about? Hmm. We should be talking about the guy who found the vaccine for polio. Hmm. 
That person is a hero. Yesterday. Did the, he have a sex tape? Yesterday was the day that that person in 1953 came up with the vaccine for polio. Well, name the person. <laughs> <laughs> I will name that person. Is it Jeremiah? No. Um, no. You name it. I know who it is. Yeah, right. I do. Wish. Are you um, kidding me? Dude, we are so... I'm going to cut this portion of the show. Um, Why? I thought it was Jeremiah Salk. Oh, Jonas Salk. Yes, of Jonas course it's Salk. Jonas Salk. Yesterday was the day, the anniversary. Yeah. thought it was Jeremiah March 26, Salk. 1953. Look at me. No notes. I'm just riffing. Yeah, right. He's staring at his iPhone right now. No. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's... Uh, by the way, that was my kook of the week. Good. You want to talk about important people. That's why I saved my, my duke of the week for okay. last, Scott. Better live so up can, to Jonas Salk, for God's sakes. He might someday. Uh, Tom Kern? Yet, yet to be seen. His name's Haiti Boudin, and he's a student from the Cote d'Ivory um, in West Africa who was studying in Sydney and was invited by friends to do a surf trip through New, New South Wales. He was 26. He had never surfed before, but he fell in love with surfing. So after the Civil War ended in Cote d'Ivory, um, his home country, he returned. And parts of the economy have actually rebounded really well. I guess they have like cocoa industry there that they've been able to export. And parts of the industry have done really well. Or the economy. But tourism has suffered dramatically. There was like an Al-Qaeda attack on some resort. So nobody wants to go to the Ivory Coast, right? Well, Bud. Boudin comes from a family of entrepreneurs, and he's decided to introduce his love of surfing to this war-torn coastline. And his goal is to build a self-sustaining surf community that not only, you know, local people can kind of enjoy and participate in, but it'll attract surfing tourists because it's tons of coastline with really great waves that's completely uncrowded. So where is he starting his efforts scott to build this homegrown movement he's starting it with board building which i feel like you could appreciate absolutely and this so, this man too is my duke you cannot surf without surfboards so exactly. if you're going to build a surf community you start with surfboards that's where that's where it all starts exactly that's where it all starts so it he, all starts with the surfboard a person and a wave those are the only three components you need yep anything else is false right so he is building boards basically boards are hard to come by in the ivory coast as you can imagine yes. they're also very expensive to import yes. so it looks like from one of the photos i saw it looks like maybe they're using just eps that they're getting maybe for manufacture like uh sure. construction or something sure. and they're making boards and uh, their heroes are mick fanning and kelly slater and their dream is to compete internationally for the Cote d'Ivory, Republic of Cote d'Ivory in the Olympics in Tokyo in 2020. That's cool, man. Full, Good for them. They've cool got a cool running story got, here. They've got it going on. I hope I wish them the best. The West Factory is the name of their surfboard manufacturing place. And you How have, cool would it be to get one of them over for the shape off? Get them in the shaping bay. Crazy. That'd be fun. I would love blowing. to do that. Yeah. Yeah. The next one's going to have to have an, inter, an, an, I want to do an all international shape off. Yeah. Where it's just, Guys from Brazil, guys from Europe, guys from Cote d'Ivory, guys from Papua New Guinea. Founders, and a girl. Founders Cup shaping edition. Flounders Sorry, Cup. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> I shouldn't have even said it. No, I don't I care. I, well, I wish the WSL the best. Even though right. Dave Pradan has yet to get back to me. He's fully dropped Regarding off. Regarding what? Oh, just some other stuff I don't need to talk about. 
All right. Uh, well, spitpodcast.com is where I'll post a link to the West Factory, their Facebook page. If yes. you want to follow along, they have like 31,000 or 3,100 followers. Um, so apparently cool. they're gaining a little bit of momentum. All right. And then the boardroom show, May 5th and 6th, Scott. Yes. Boardroomshow.com. You can get tickets and information. Go check it out. May 5th and 6th in Del Mar. And we also owe a huge thanks today, Scott, to uh, the sponsors that make this show possible. That's right. Need Essentials, wetsuits, Need Essentials, gear, Need Essentials. I need Essentials. You need Essentials. Why wouldn't you need Essentials? I love it. You are a great spokesperson because that's exactly what it is. It's everything you need, nothing you don't. Just the Essentials. More than a spokesperson, I'm an ambassador and just by, or in an organic fashion. Yeah, truly. I'm a fan. Yeah. And then uh, spyoptic.com, promo code podcast, the happy lens. Elevate happy, your mood. Elevate your mood with the happy lens. Spy. Go to the spy website. Spy optic. Spy optic, promo code podcast. You know what else would elevate my mood, Scott? A trip somewhere? Yeah. World Wave Expeditions? Yeah. Go on to worldwaveexpeditions.com. Our friend Anthony Marcotti has set up a contest giveaway. He's giving away not one, but two trips of a lifetime surf trips to fiji and indonesia that tengara point that right in indonesia looks insane i want to go there i'm gonna to have to hit up anthony and see what's up so that's the deal go there if you want to book a trip period but why don't you go there right now and sign up for the free giveaway yes i have have, have you? you no you're kidding you gotta I, sign can up. i win i don't know now we might be ineligible yeah that's what i was thinking it doesn't matter i signed up anyway right, i'll support my friend anthony yeah all right okay wave Thanks, sponsors. All right, man. Until two weeks from now. Right. Go, John John. Adios and aloha. Wash away my troubles. Wash away my pain. With the rain and Wash away my sorrow. Wash away my shame. Let's go.